You are listening to the Bark the Browns podcast with Brandon Wolf and Asa Haslidge. guys welcome on into the bark the browns podcast we are your hosts brandon wolf and asa Hasledge, and today we have our around the nfl episode we have baltimore ravens talk uh des bryant put on the covid list says that he was not positive for the covid for covid19 so that's a little weird um and obviously he is calling it a season according to his twitter um so he he won't play any games for the rest of the year and then you also have the playoff picture as of today we're gonna kind of break everything down as it stands. And then also it's three quarters of the way through the season. So now, I mean, week 12, is it? Week 12 just finished up. So we're going to be talking the thir- three quarters of the way through the season NFL awards. I know that's kind of long, but before we get into all that, Asa, how you feeling today? How's uh, everything going? Uh, you know, it's going. Uh, like I said, I mean, been somewhat of a quiet week around the NFL. So, you know, we'll get into the, obviously, the Des Bryant thing sticks out big time. Uh, NFL playoffs are, you know, we say it's a week-to-week thing, but now things are kind of getting more and more solidified. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm obviously excited for our Browns being in there, you know, yeah, right. and we're pretty much in. Uh, so it's, uh, like I said, I'm doing good. Just excited to get into this talk, and honestly, just can't wait to Monday night. <laughs> yeah, for sure, most definitely. That it always feels like the Monday night games are so much like we have to wait so long for them, even though it's just what one day, you know. So it's yeah. uh, definitely feels a little weird, but um, yeah, let's let's just hop right into the Des Bryant stuff. So what was it? Mo- Tuesday night they played. So Tuesday night the Ravens were. I mean, everything was going according to plan. All the people that were supposed to test negative, tested negative. And then 20, what was it, 20 minutes before game time, Des Bryant tests uh, positive for the coronavirus. And they they pull him off the field, tell him to go home. And, I mean, that's, that, that's kind of it. And then he's kind of going and doing a few little rants on Twitter, I guess you could say saying that he's done for the season. He's not going to play another game. Um, he's now voicing his frustration, saying that he now tested negative. Um, what, what are your thoughts on kind of this whole situation? Uh, I mean, if he tested negative, that's kind of wild. Um, and plus with, you know, him being taken off pregame, uh, you know, with all the extensive protocols that are in place and they're practicing, he should never even have been on the field if that was the case. Right. Um, you know, obviously it's very frustrating for him. He just came back. He's wanting to get going. And for that game, you're playing against Dallas. So, of course, you want to show out against your former team. So, you know, I, I get the frustration. I guess, I mean, definitely if he tested negative, that's very shocking that he got pulled off the field. Uh, I just – I kind of do, really don't know what to make of it because, you know, if – they claimed he tested positive or there's a positive test. He should have never even been around the team on the field around other players. It's um, it's really just an odd and shaky situation. 
Um, would I have really took it to Twitter like that? I don't know. I mean, who am I to judge right. an NFL player, you know? But um, I don't know. I mean, hopefully he'll get right with the league, the legal, you know, get, get him straight. And, you know, I don't want to see him ball out for the Ravens, but at the same time, I do want to see Des ball yeah. out. I mean, it's been a while since we've seen him on the field. I mean, what's it been four, three years, something like that. It's been way too long. Right. Um, so it's like I said, man, it's just, I can't really make the situation. It's just like, what's going on. That's all. That's all you can really say. It's like, okay, did he test positive or negative? All you can do is question it and not really make a point. Right. So I do want to, I, I'm on Des Bryant's Twitter right now. Just kind of want to talk about a few of the tweets that he put out. So uh, this was, I believe, one day after the game. He says, this was more than just another game for me. It wasn't about revenge. I didn't need a catch. I just wanted to make a point. So basically he's saying, like, I just wanted to be in the game. I just wanted to be there. I wanted to face my former team. I wanted to be a part of this game. And obviously him not being able to be a part of it was huge. Um he has a few more things that he's kind of just saying here. Um, he's clearly still supporting the Ravens. His issue obviously isn't with the Ravens. It's probably more with the NFL than it is with the Ravens. I would, I would imagine at this point, you know? Yeah. It's like, like we're both saying, you just completely understand the frustration out of him. You're, I mean, he's probably been waiting for that moment to get back at Dallas ever since you know, he, he separated from the team and it's, I don't know. I can't really elaborate on it too much again. Cause it's just what's going on. What's, what's real. I, I mean, not what's real, but no, what's I the get, truth really. Right. It's just, and it sucks for him because he, he was right there on the cusp of making his real comeback and you know, he, he has it taken away from him. So I, I just don't know, man. It, it's, Oh, I'm just putting hands up on this one. <laughs> yeah, right. Because, again, it is just kind of a weird situation. Um, it's kind of all over the place. But, again, kind of from reading Twitter, at least his Twitter anyways, it kind of feels like he's saying that it was oh, – hold on. I'll just continue to read some more of his tweets. Um, so he says, tell me why they pull me from warming up so I can go get tested. My stuff came back positive. I tested positive for COVID, WTF. He says, the crazy thing is I have the same routine. This does not make sense to me. Um, and then he finally says, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and call it. Go ahead and call it a quit for the rest of the season. I can't deal with this. Um, yeah, it just kind of seems like he's saying that it is weird that they, they pulled him like, what was it, 20 minutes or 30 minutes before kickoff? to get tested again. Um, again, if, if it came back any, any type of positive, he should have been pulled um, way, way before 20 minutes before kickoff, you know, and then it again, against his former team, that's a little dicey. I'm not saying that the Cowboys had anything to do with it, but again, this all just, it kind of seems fishy. And then again, he, in his Twitter, he did say that he's t- now tested negative two times in a row. Um, Again, it's just kind of a weird situation. Maybe we're dealing with a false positive. And, uh, I mean, obviously that's kind of what it feels like more than anything else is just a false positive. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, 
uh, you know, friends or family or whoever. Uh, I've seen it. I've heard of it. Not seen it, but I've heard of definitely a false positive. So it could, it's definitely could be the case. It's just, <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I really wish things would have turned out different. And the NFL has really got to look themselves in the mirror at this. If they really had a guy that was positive for COVID out there warming up for, I don't know how long they usually warm up, you know, to be pulled 20 minutes from kickoff. That's at least like an hour, I think right. somewhere around there. So the NFL's got to look at themselves in the mirror and think if they really had a, te- a positive COVID player warming up with other players and they let that happen, then that's definitely a big mistake on them. Right. And again, I feel like this is, it's just an odd situation because the main point through all of this is that, he was probably pulled before kickoff to see if he was to see if he was going to test positive. And the thought there is that he, I mean, if you're testing him again, that, that soon to kickoff, the chances are he probably tested positive before and it wasn't talked about or wasn't brought to any light. And um, I mean, again, this is kind of what I'm making from it. It's kind of all over the place right now. So basically the timeline that I'm kind of understanding or what I would think happened is that earlier on in the week, Des Bryant tested positive sometime before from Friday to probably Tuesday, you know, and then he, he continues to test positive or negative or whatever. And then 20 minutes before kickoff, they haven't get tested again. He tests positive And then they finally say, well, you can't be here. But at that point, the first time he tested positive, it should have just been, um, over with from there, he should have been taken to or told to go home and quarantine or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, again, I don't want to spend too much time on this cause it's not a, I mean, it's a huge story right now because Des Bryant now sitting out for the rest of the season is kind of a big thing, but at the same time, like you said, he never really got to, got to even start his comeback, you know, when he was in the offense for the Ravens, it wasn't like he was a huge part of the offense, but Again, he he's a guy that I believe will come back next season, have a bigger impact, and uh, continue to make that comeback that he wants to make, at least to end out his career a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I do want to move on to the playoffs, talk a little bit of playoffs talk. I mean, it was kind of funny. I was looking at the bracket here, and I was like, there were some teams that I'm like, man, I didn't even know that they were winning the division at this point, you know, that they were in the lead for the division. So – Let's go through the AFC first. You have the Steelers at number one at 11 and one. You have the Chiefs at number two. They will end up, at, if it ended right now, they would end up playing the Indianapolis Colts at number seven. You have the uh, the three-seeded Bills ended up playing the number six-seeded Miami Dolphins and then the four-seeded Titans playing the five-seeded Cleveland Browns. Um let's kind of break this down a little bit before we go to the NFC. Cause I, I do have a, a few questions here. Um, the Steelers, this is kind of a crazy scenario because Washington ended up giving them that upset. What are the chances that they possibly lose another game and the Kansas city chiefs kind of sneak up there? Um, it is, you know, we talked about this, especially after um, they dropped that game. It's, it's definitely a real possibility. It's very interesting to see how this will play out for sure. Um, And especially with Kansas city being the team that we know, 
it, it would be kind of shocking that they're not at the top. Um, yeah. So uh, it's just very exciting how this is going to play out, even though, you know, some, most of the things are set in stone, but any given Sunday, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, did I think Washington was going to be the team to beat Pittsburgh? <laughs> no, but it happened, <laughs> right. right? So, um, you know, any given Sunday, these things can change. And, uh, you know, honestly, as Browns fans, we're just sitting crossing our fingers, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, honestly, at this point. Um, so to end out the Steelers season, you have, they play the Bills on Sunday, the Bengals on a Monday night game, the Colts on a Sunday, and the Browns on a Sunday. It's definitely not the easiest schedule to end the season. I'm not going to sit here and say that the Bengals are going to be their biggest threat because obviously that's the farthest thing from the truth. But the Bills and Colts are both playing for playoff spots at this point. Um, a win or a loss could take them in either direction, and so are the Browns. You know, So those are three games right there that are going to be tough, especially when you're losing to a Washington team that, uh, I mean, they're not even winning their division and they're the worst division in football right now. So there's, Mm -hmm. there's definitely some, uh, they can trip up here. And if you're a Browns fan, you're crossing your fingers, hoping they trip up because at this point, let's just break it down here for a minute. The Steelers, let's say the bills trip them up. Okay. So then the Steelers are 11 and two. They beat the Bengals. Okay. 12 and two, the Colts trip them up. They're 12 and three. And uh, if the Browns win out there, you're talking about the Browns competing for the division in week 17 and, and not even the division there, but for the number two seed in the playoffs, you're talking about going from not ever hosting a playoff game for the rest of the playoffs, most likely to hosting every single playoff game you play in until you play the number one seed. So that's, that's kind of crazy to think of in and of itself. Yeah, you are getting me excited right now. You got <laughs> to slow down a little bit. Um, it, it's Like you said, we're just crossing our fingers on it. Um, yeah. You know, I, I will say it again. I touched on it last episode. If the Steelers are going drop to drop to Washington, then that morale is definitely down. Things are messed up in there. And, you know, the way the Buffalo's been playing, I mean, they definitely have a chance to be the to trip them up once again. Um, I mean, looking at their, their remaining schedule, it, two weeks ago, you look at these games, you're absolutely not saying that Pittsburgh's losing any of them. But now, almost every single one, it's like, okay, well, not every single one, but most of them were like, yeah, yeah three they have a four. chance to lose. Exactly. Yeah. You, you're looking at it like you have a chance chance to lose them. Um, you know, obviously Browns players right after that happened, they're very excited. They know what's going on. I mean, the energy in the locker room is great right now from what we've seen it. I mean, obviously we're not in there, um, but you can tell that the players are definitely focused and they have, uh, it's really good that they have something to focus on at this point in the season, but you know, they're, they're not focusing on, yeah, we're nine and three for the first time since whatever, you know, obviously I'm sure they're pleased with the record, but that is probably the last thing on their minds right now. And it's really, really good to see that they're so focused on the common goal. Yeah. And that's actually something that I've wanted to talk about for a few episodes. Um, I love the mindset of this team. And obviously we're talking about the Browns now. Um, Every single win. And I've noticed this on Twitter, every single win, the Cleveland or somebody from the Cleveland Browns reposts that video of Kobe where he's in the press conference and they ask him, they ask Kobe, Hey, are you happy? And he goes, what's there to be happy about? 
said, well, you're, you're about to win the championship. You're one game away. And he says, the job's not finished. This team has that mentality of the job's not finished. And from what I understand, they're not talking about the job's not finished. Hey, we made the play. We we're getting ready to make the playoffs. That's not their goal. Their goal isn't just to make the playoffs. Their goal isn't just to make it to the second round of the playoffs. Their goal isn't just to make it to the AFC championship. Their goal is to win the Super Bowl. And I'm not trying to hype up Browns fans right now, but I'm telling you every single player in that locker room, at least from what I can see, doesn't want to just make the playoffs. Yes, that's a great goal for the for a Cleveland Browns team who was 0-16 three years, four years ago or whatever it was, but we're not worrying about the past. And that's been the mantra of this team ever since Kevin Stefanski stepped foot in the office is we don't care about the past. We don't care if the Browns were 0-16 and 1-15 three, four years ago. We care about what's going on now. And right now the Browns are in the driver's seat and have all the momentum heading into the playoffs, and that's absolutely huge. Yeah, definitely. It, it's I know you're not trying to hype us up, but it, I mean it's hard not to, especially if you've been on Twitter. Everyone's making a bunch of hype videos for this Ravens <laughs> yeah. game. I mean, energy is so high, and you know I think past teams and certain players that we've had on this on this team would have been excited that we were at this point and they would have been kind of content. You could say past coaching staffs would have been content. They're just like, okay, you know, we're get, we can just kind of go the minimal route. And it's a happy thing because Brown's fans haven't seen Jack shit in 20 years. Right. This team is like, nah, forget that. Like we're, we're going for it all. I mean, that's, that's definitely the end goal. I mean, we're going for it all. I mean, am I, am I going to claim on this episode that they are going to go all the way? Absolutely not. But that's that's obviously the mindset. And when you set your mind to something for so long and you put so much mental effort into it, I mean, it can definitely manifest for you. Yeah. And that's something that honestly, like we're going to continue talking playoffs, but I right now we're talking Browns playoffs. So the thing that like kind of makes me so excited about this team is week what was it week 11 when we played jacksonville it was like yeah we have a great shot at making the playoffs now you know and it was like yeah we can make the playoffs and then week 12 we come out and we absolutely put on a show against the titans and now it's not no now it's no longer hey we can make the playoffs it's hey how far are we going to make it in the playoffs where the hell are we going to go because this browns offense can take us either to losing in the first round or absolutely going all the way and that's the fun thing about this team and now you're talking about going into a Monday night game prime time against the Baltimore Ravens your one of your biggest rivals the team that stole your team and if you win that game you are going to go into those final three games including another prime time game against the Giants with all of the momentum and then, and then you're talking about possibly playing the Steelers in week 17 for a shot at the not only the division, but again, the second seed in the NFL playoffs to hosting a playoff game against a team like Indianapolis or Miami or maybe the Raiders or maybe the Ravens. Who knows? You know, like this is, again, it's totally a crazy scenario, crazy situation. Um, a lot of things would have to fall our way for us to win the division but regardless of if we win the division or not I really feel like this Browns team took a huge step 
and they took that step by i mean now again you're talking about not just making the playoffs you're talking about finishing a job that could put a lombardi in cleveland yeah (laughs) real exciting times around (laughs) here i mean honestly it's just really really exciting to think about these kind of things um you know it's we're on a hot streak right now and going into this Ravens game, I'm very, very confident because, you know, they, they really haven't been what they were said to be this season. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously COVID has affected every single team in a certain way. I mean, man, I, I wish that fans would be able to pack that because imagine that stadium week 17, you know, if this scenario plays out like how we want, and the AFC North title is decided on a Brown Steelers game in week 17. I mean, just imagine the energy in that stadium. It would, it would be so great. I mean, I know the fans that are going to be there are definitely going to show out, but I, I just wish there would be more. Um, yeah. But I mean, I'm, I'm confident moving forward, definitely. And I can, you know, not just say that as, a Browns fan a couple years ago, like, haha, yeah, I'm confident just because I love my team. And then deep down, I'm like, yeah, no, we're about to blow this shit. <laughs> yeah, um, right. Like, I'm legitimately confident going into, you know, going looking forward for the rest right. of the season. And it's, I will forever be grateful for every player on this roster for years to come. I mean, yeah. obviously, Jarvis and Baker, uh, Kevin Stefanski, Andrew Barry, those are the guys at the forefront of finally changing the culture this year, but mm-hmm. it, it, I will forever be grateful for every, I mean, all 52 players on this roster heading forward. Just, I mean, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll be that Browns fan, I guess, just for a second. I mean, even if things don't go how we planned, I mean, we're looking at a possible 12 win season. I mean, right. at least 10, right. 11. Right. It, it's, you know, that in a trip to the playoffs, I mean, we lose in the first round, second round. Am I going to be absolutely upset? I know that we could go further than that. Yeah, I'll be upset, but I'll be that Browns fan. I mean, I'm still going to be damn proud of this right. season. Yeah. I mean, this is something me and you have never really seen before. I never mean, yeah, it. we can, yeah, we can be up. We can say, oh yeah, ten and six, two thousand seven. But do we really remember that? Because I know I don't. I really <laughs> do not. Yeah. So we can finally say that we've witnessed something great as Browns fans be along with those old heads, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. Back in my day, you know, <laughs> Oh but, God, yeah, those guys. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, again, I think you hit the nail right on the head with that. And this Browns team is fun. And I think that's the main thing here is that this team, the camaraderie that they have, it's fun. And I mean, you're watching, you're watching Cleveland Browns uh, where Rashard Higgins is complimenting Baker Mayfield on a backflip spin thing that he did to, during a foot or during a touchdown celebration, you know, and it's, it's just, everybody is constantly, they, everybody constantly has everybody's back, you know, and I, I know I kind of worded that weird, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like this team is just, they're fun to watch. They, I mean, I'm not going to say that obviously they're the 2016 Cavs, but the way that the camaraderie is here, it kind of reminds me of the 2016 Cavs. You know, everybody was just fun. It was more about fun than it was about just playing the game. 
because it was like it, it went back to the roots. They found they let me see how I want to word this. It was like they went back to the roots and found what they originally started playing the game of football for, you know, and that's kind of how it felt with that Cavs team. You know, it's like there's fun in the game now. It's not just about wins and losses and there's not I mean, there is pressure on this team, but it's not like the pressure that there was before. Now it's about having fun, playing the game and absolutely just showing out for the city of Cleveland. And, and that's what these guys are doing right now. I mean, I know this is, I'm kind of all over the place with that, but I hope you understand what I'm saying. Like you ain't saying to all the listeners, but. Yeah, I'm definitely with you. I completely understand with what you're going <laughs> for. I mean, team chemistry, a low, Low and high can affect great teams in completely different aspects. I mean, you know, kind of go for just to make an analogy. I mean, if you're on the out outside or like looking through a screen or something at this team and team chemistry obviously is high, then a high team chemistry is definitely going to put a little extra oomph or boost on your team. But if right. you're looking at this team and say in all reality, the, Team chemistry is at like a, I don't know, I'll go with a 2K thing. You know, team <laughs> chemistry is at like a 30% or something. That's this team ain't doing shit in all reality. Right. Um, right. So, you know, camaraderie, brotherhood, it's going to take you a long way because you know you can trust that guy next to you, that he will go all out and do no matter what it takes for you to succeed. And you know you will do the exact same for him. And everyone is looking to their left and right and knowing that they will lay their bodies on the line for you to be successful, for this team to be successful, and for us to reach the end goal and bring a Lombardi home to Cleveland. Um, oh, my God. Cannot believe we're <laughs> realistically talking about this. It's uh, right. I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but right. you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to make a point that these guys can trust each other trust each other to do their 111th or 150 whatever i mean when you're on the field they can trust each other that they're going to do the 111th to succeed and it's really great to see and this that aspect alone is going to take this team to heights that honestly deep down maybe they never even thought they could have done it um definitely browns fans we never thought we were ever going to see it so it's all I can right. say is I'm just super excited, you know, cheese and hard as possible, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's just right. great. And honestly, like you're, you're talking about achieving heights that we never really like, we've never witnessed as Browns fans. And I mean, I know that when they clinch, because again, at this point, I really feel like sometime next week, I mean, we could say what was next Monday, we played the giants. I think that's originally why the game was, um, switch to a primetime game. I think that if the Browns win on Monday night against the Ravens and then win on Monday night against the, or Sunday night against the Giants, I think that there's a very big possibility that the Browns will clinch the playoffs at that point. I think when they clinch the playoffs, I'll probably be get pretty emotional. And I know I'm not like, I, I know that that's like kind of corny to say or whatever, but like you're talking about fans who have supported a team year in and year out. And there was a hype video that I saw on, on Twitter and it, I, I mean, it's, it's funny, but at the same time, it's like you look at the city of Cleveland and some of these fans, the Cleveland Browns are all they have, you know, like, and so, and so to watch a team that struggled for years and years and years, finally make the playoffs, finally go into the playoffs with some success and some momentum, that's going to make a lot of people emotional and very happy. And, 
I mean, you want to talk about just making the playoffs and people getting emotional. I think people are going to get emotional like crazy when, if, and when we win a Super Bowl. You know, it's it's going to be a whole different feeling. Yeah, I mean, every time I go for the YouTube video, everyone knows what I'm talking about. It's like that seven eight video of like a compilation of what leads up to the championship, and then yeah. us winning the championship. I cry every single time, and I will cry every single time. <laughs> I mean, right. when I was talking about the 2016 Tavs, maybe five minutes ago, I was about to cry on this podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. And you know, I I am fully prepared. I told my girlfriend already. I told myself I will ugly ugly cry <laughs> if i see baker lift up that lombardi trophy or jimmy haslam whoever i am yeah, going right. to ugly cry <laughs> for hours and right. hours um, right you know will i shed a tear when i see that clinched next to us maybe i don't know you know i'll be the tough guy and say oh, i'm not gonna cry but maybe i will get teary and emotional um yeah. you know some of the dumbest things get to me so i mean this obviously isn't dumb you know, I, it, all the emotions that I, I've endured watching the Browns, you know, the passion I've watched the Browns with the, I mean, the emotion I carry for the rest of the Sunday after watching Browns games, it's just, you put so much energy into a team and, you know, seeing them succeed, you're obviously going to be emotional. I mean, I don't know what Browns fan out there won't cry. You know, it's, oh man, I'm just, all I'm going to say is I'm prepared for the flood walls to break. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll just see how emotional I really get when I see (laughs) that clinch thing. I don't don't know. We'll see, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like you said, like, this is like, as fans, this is something that we've been waiting for, you know, for a long time, just to make the playoffs. I, I really, again, kind of kind of putting it back to the 2016 Cavs thing, like the way that our dads, our our parents, our older family members, the way that like these people cried or or jumped for joy or whatever, or emotionally responded to a 2016 Cavs championship. That's what I feel like it's going to be like for a lot of us, this generation, you know, when we see a Brown, the Browns win a championship, I think there are going to be a lot of tears shed. I think, our kids our, our whatever our grandkids depending on how far down the line hopefully not that far down the line but you know what i'm trying to say i think that like it's it's going to be the same thing but to a whole nother level because everybody knows that cleveland is a, a football town it's a browns town i am totally 100 percent thankful what lebron james and the cleveland cavaliers did but uh there's no comparison to a, to a Cleveland Cavaliers championship and a Cleveland Browns championship. You know, I think that as much as we love talking about that championship, I think that many Cleveland fans would trade that 18 times over for, for a Brown Super Bowl. you know? Yeah. I, I'm agreeing with you there. I, you know, wasn't going to go as far to say it, but you know, I know some people will, um, you know, I will, it won't be 100% overshadowed, but if a Lombardi trophy does in fact land in that Berea office, then that Cavs yeah. 2016 championship will definitely be overshadowed for a while, at least. Yeah. I mean, we're still going to be like, yeah, like just remember the Cavs were the one to bring it first, but it's, mm-hmm. it's definitely going to be overshadowed for a while. Yeah, most definitely. So 
I'm really glad that we got to sit there and talk about the Browns in the playoffs for a minute because there was like since we beat the Titans, there was just so much I wanted to get off my chest. And even last episode, like I wasn't really able to talk about it as much just because we kind of had like so much, like such a condensed amount of time to talk about such a huge win for the Browns. I think that really this next or well, what would it be Monday, Tuesday's episode. So Tuesday's episode, if we beat the Baltimore Ravens, I think that's when we're going to just straight up talk about everything that the Browns could accomplish for the rest of the season, because that will be a huge win if we are able to pull that one off. Um, But I do want to get back into the rest of the playoffs. So Chiefs versus Colts, uh, nothing against the Colts. I think with their defense that 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 could be an interesting game, but I really feel like the Chiefs are, are just destined to be a dynasty at this point. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to kind of see how that game goes along. If, if that ends up being what it is, uh, Bill's dolphins, that's kind of that inner inner division matchup. So that that'd be kind of interesting. But again, I feel like the bills really, I mean, they, they could be an upset factor there for sure, but I, I feel like the bills kind of would be able to pull that one off. And then Brown's Titans. That's one that again, as a Brown's fan, it kind of scares me. I don't like playing teams two times in a season unless they're in my division. Um, so that's, that's a little weird, but I mean, what are your th- thoughts on those games? I, again, I know you don't like to predict games and predict winners, but <laughs> what are your thoughts on just the way those three games line up? Um, you know, it chiefs Colts, um, it, it's, those are, it's an interesting one. Like you said, I mean, the Colts defense has been, you know, exactly who we thought they were this season. Uh, it's definitely going to be interesting seeing, uh, Patrick Mahomes and his offense against that defense. But in all reality, I will get more in depth on Patrick Mahomes uh, when we do the quarter season predictions. But I'm going to just say that I'm fully expecting him to absolutely torch that defense. Um, <laughs> it's he's just on a completely another level this season. Um, Browns Titans does worry me because, you know, we touched about it a little bit a couple episodes ago. Um, you know, you face a team once and then, you know, the team, the losing team in the first half gets, you know, they have all their numbers. Uh, they have exactly how to shut them down. They have all the film from that game that was, you know, weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it is scary, but like I said, I'm really confident in our team. We're just way too hot right now. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, teams on a hot streak can do amazing things. Um, you know, the Dolphins, did I expect them to be where they are right now? Hell no. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I am not really going to say much about the Dolphins because I just straight up did not expect them to be there. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know about, you know, the rest of these teams making it in. You know, if the Raiders are going to eventually sneak in a spot there, uh, it, it's, you know, the Raiders are, obvi- I mean, they got us. You know, they beat us. Yeah. They've they're, been a interesting they're a weird team, team though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say that. I mean, you almost lose the Jets. That's crazy. And then who did they lose to the week before? I'm trying to think. Um, sorry, kind of kind of a little bit on all over the place right now, but um yeah, I mean, they've if they would have lost the Jets, that would have been a losing streak that they would have liked to have um snapped. And obviously they did. Um so obviously they beat us. They lost oof. He got absolutely demolished by the Falcons, uh, 43 to six. And then um, they lose the Chiefs 
And then, so that, that was a two game losing streak. If they would have lost to the jets, obviously that would have been a three game losing streak with one of the most embarrassing losses. Probably that probably would have ended their season at this point, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, again, it's kind of interesting just to look at their, their seven and five, they went out, they go 11 and five, but at the same time, I, I don't really expect them to win out. Uh, again, you're playing two teams that are fighting for a playoff spot at this point. You have the Colts and the Dolphins, uh, both ahead of them right now. So those are actually going to be huge games to kind of watch for this um, upcoming Sunday. And then not next Sunday, but the Sunday after um, they play the Colts this Sunday, which the Colts are right ahead of them, you know, by, I think it's by two spots now. So they're, they're right there. So the Colts are going to want to win that game to kind of bury the Raiders or the Raiders are going to want to win that game to kind of climb the ladder and reach up there. Then they play the chargers on a Thursday night football game. And then they play the dolphins on Saturday, actually, which that's going to be another one to look at, especially if both teams are still in the playoff hunt. Um, So the Raiders kind of, kind of have a weird, weird little uh, rest of the schedule to kind of look at because again, they kind of control their own destiny at this point. Yeah. And Let's not forget that they handed the Chiefs their only loss very early in the season, too. So it's right. they've been very wishy-washy, just like the Titans. You know, those those two teams have been very wishy-washy this season. Um, you know, a lot of these teams. Um, my, uh, Pittsburgh, I mean, I wouldn't have called them wishy-washy, but obviously dropping to Washington, that's, that's big time. Um, yeah. The Titans, you know – they're good here and then they get demolished there and then they're good again. Uh, the Ravens, I mean, all those expectations they had, and then now they're sitting with five uh, losses on their record. So it's a lot of these teams have had very interesting seasons to say the least. So it's just interesting how these go out and how these are going to play out. And you got to love those Saturday night games when, uh, you know, they're not scheduled, but you know it's going to be a good game because they earned that right. You know, before COVID, how the world used to be kids was, <laughs> you know, by this time, college uh, football is pretty much over on Saturdays. We're looking at the playoffs. So the NFL decides to give some teams a little extra primetime game. So you know that they're going to be good games because they deserved a primetime spotlight. You know, it's like a flex game, just like us in New York. You know, we. <laughs> We earned that. No one wants to see Dallas play on prime time at that. I mean, Cowboys fans even don't want to see the Cowboys play. So, um, you know, those Saturday night games are always promised to be good ones. Um, one that sticks out for me is when we played Denver uh, two years ago on Saturday. That was that was a damn good game. Um, was, I was just going to talk about that one. So, yeah, you're good. man, Jabril, Jabril coming in clutch with that sack, man. I will never forget that. I, I still miss Jabril just for that play. I mean, yeah. you know, dude was a phenomenal athlete. But that that play alone was, you know, I, I was so high on him and talking to people. He didn't do nothing. And then he finally got up, came up with that sack. I'm like, that's the Jabril <laughs> I wanted for this Browns team. But, yeah, right. you know, uh, we, we got something a little better and number 13 out of it. So it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah, most definitely. And I, I, I love thinking about that game because the, honestly that season, that was probably one of my favorite games of the year. Uh, just to put a little perspective on it, there was uh, just kind of give you my little story that night. I was actually delivering pizza. Cause I, 
I always made sure I was off on a Browns game day. And then obviously that game got flexed, wasn't able to make sure that I had that game off. So I was delivering pizza all night. I was kind of like watching it on my phone. And then um, finally, like I'm on my way home. I walk in the door, there's like two minutes left. And that was right when Jabril got that sack. And I was like, oh my God, let's go. You know, all hyped up like uh, like any Browns fan would be. And that was, that was definitely a fun game. Um, but yeah, those Saturday night games are a lot of fun. And I think that, really those those like you said those Saturday night games a lot of times have playoff implications on them and uh it's gonna kind of be fun to see how those how those come down to the wire you know yeah for sure I'm excited for it I'll definitely try to tune in for sure yeah most definitely but I do want to kind of switch over to the NFC now talk a little NFC football and then break down our quarter of the seat or three quarters of the season awards um so we have the Saints at number one, the Packers and Vikings, a good interdivision rivalry there for the uh, two and seven. And then you have the Rams, which this was the team I was talking about earlier. I didn't realize that they were in the lead for their division. Uh, kind of crazy when you think about when you think about it, because the Seahawks have been I, I mean, to start the season, they were really great. They were considered one of the best teams and now they've kind of fallen off. But the Rams and the Buccaneers, that'll be a good one. Good. Good. Uh, defensive matchup, but then also kind of see what that Rams defense can do against a solid offense like the Buccaneers. And then right now, the Seattle Seahawks would have to travel to New York to play the Giants at MetLife Stadium um, in the playoffs. Um, kind of breaking it down, what are your thoughts on that game specifically? Um, Man, I, I mean, that NFC East is a dumpster fire. And the fact that we're talking about a five and seven New York Giants team currently at the fourth seed in the playoffs, it's uh wow. <laughs> I, I just wow, man. That's that's really it. Uh, I'm really just staring at that five and seven right now. And I just man, if the Browns were in the NFC East, oh my goodness. I just so wish I was in that division. <laughs> right. Um but it, it's um New York ain't coming out of that alive. I'm going to just say that right now. That's yeah. my only thought. New York is absolutely not coming out of that game alive. Um, it, it, you know, they have, they kind of have revived their season in sorts, but, um, you yeah. know, even if Seattle isn't really meeting their expectations that they were in the beginning of the season, but they're still, I mean, Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf, it, it, you're not really containing that. I mean, especially with the players they got on defense, you're, you're really not and it's you know it'd be cool for them to be in the playoffs again but uh, it, they're not coming out of that game alive <laughs> yeah most definitely and actually looking at their final four games it's actually a complete crazy crazy schedule to look at they play the cardinals this sunday they play the Browns next Monday, and then they play the Ravens on Sunday, and then they play the Cowboys to end off the season. Um, I really don't see a scenario where they win more than six games at this point. You know, I mean, they're what they have five wins right now. So, I mean, I think the Cardinals beat them because the Cardinals are still technically fighting for a playoff spot at this point. I think the Browns beat them because, again, that's going to be a huge game for the Browns. I think the Ravens beat them because the Ravens are still tech. They could technically still be fighting for a playoff spot at that point. And then maybe they get that final win against the Cowboys to end off the season and, and go into the off season on a high note. But yeah, there's, in my opinion, there's no way they even make the playoffs. Um, 
maybe that'll be a hot take. Maybe you can, maybe all you listeners can tag me on old takes exposed or something on Twitter, but I just, I really don't see a scenario where they make it. I think that a lot, a lot of upsets would have to happen. And I'm not saying that it couldn't happen, but I mean, I just, I just don't see it. I don't see them being in the Cardinals because the Cardinals, again, they're fighting for a playoff spot. They're fighting for their division. Even at this point, um, yes, they're six and six, but the Cardinals are better than what their record shows, especially with, with a guy like Kyler Murray and DeAndre guys like Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. Um, they have a solid offense, you know, and then the Browns again, obviously we talked about how they're hot right now. And then the Ravens, um, they're going to kind of be holding on to their season by a threat at that point. If, if things go the way that the Browns fans hope they do. Um, so yeah, I just don't see a scenario where they make it. Maybe we could uh, see a Washington football team make the, uh, make the playoff. Cause I know they've been, a, been on a little bit of a hot streak um, as we speak. I mean, I know that the giants are as well, but man, it's, it's kind of just, I love playoffs because the way things kind of just come down to the wire is always, it's always fun to keep up with, you know? Yeah. I I mean, I, I will just sit, have to just laugh if we see Washington football (laughs) in the, in the, in the playoffs, man, it's, I don't know. The NFC is, you're looking at it. It's, you know, I, I just don't know how them teams are in it at this point, but you gotta love a weak conference, right? Yeah. I mean, honestly, even at this point, everybody is still in play in that division, except for maybe the Cowboys. I don't see a scenario where they make it, but you're talking about the Eagles, who are three, eight, and one. So they're right there. I mean, the they're two games back from the Giants and with four games left to go. Um, I mean, you're making a quarterback change, Jalen Hurts. I, I know you kind of, you like him. I, I mean, at least from what I've seen on Twitter, you like him. And uh, I, I definitely like the guy. I think he's got a bright future in this league, but man, I, even they could make, make a strong run for the playoffs, maybe here, here in a minute. Um, it, it's again, it's going to be tough for them as well. You're, they play the saints team. That's going to be tough uh, this Sunday. They play at the Cardinals again, going to be a tough game. Uh, the Cowboys, and then round it out with Washington there at the end. So again, this NFC East is just going to come down to the wire, and it's it's going to be coming down to the wire with a bunch of dumpster fire teams. So it's going to be weird to see what happens. Yeah, if honestly, in my opinion, if the Eagles would have made that change way earlier, and I, I mean Carson Wentz is not the guy. They're paying that dude way too much to ride the bench now. Um, you know, we could be looking at a completely different Eagles team if Jalen Hurts has has the reins to me um you know that dude just has a chip on his shoulder still i think from college and he just wants to prove himself um it's just you know with that mentality alone he could have definitely added a couple more wins on this record and i think we could have definitely been looking at a completely different placed eagles right now especially with that tie you know having those ties man that gives you chances that you should not you really don't deserve we know that all too well um yeah we definitely could have been looking at a way different philadelphia team and it's you know making the move to jalen hurts to me this is well overdue yeah most definitely and i honestly looking at this looking at the schedule for although all those teams in the uh nfc east i think washington probably does have the best bet at this point um Right now, 
this Sunday they're going to play the San Francisco 49ers, who, yes, they have a tough defense, but we know that whole team has been in shambles this season, obviously, with all the injuries and then moving from Santa Clara to Arizona to play uh, in the Cardinals stadium. So that's going to be a little weird for them. So they play the 49ers and then they play the Seahawks, which that's going to be a tough game because, again, another team who's holding on to the playoff hopes by a threat at this point, the Panthers. Uh, that's I think that's going to be a game that Washington could win and then the Eagles so again depending on how Jalen Hurts and that Eagles offense is running maybe Eagles could either play spoiler or end up uh, helping Washington get to the playoffs at that point so it's again watching the NFC kind of round out it's going to be a battle for the teams that weren't so great um, and seeing if they can make the playoffs and maybe make some weird noise in the playoffs and and upset the five seed which I really don't see happening, but that's going to be the storyline. You know, that's going to be the storyline heading into the playoffs, but let's look at the bucks Rams really quick. And then the uh, Packers Vikings before we get into the quarter of the season awards talk. So the Buccaneers and the Rams, that's going to be, that's going to be a fun one to watch. You have a, one of the best defensive players, if not the best defensive player in the NFL and Aaron Donald, you have Jalen Ramsey. The defense is tough. The defense is strong. The defense is smart, you know? So this is a team that they're wanting to go as far as they can. And they're hoping their defense will take them as, as far as they can go, you know, but the Buccaneers, Tom Brady kind of hanging on to the legacy that he wants to build. And he obviously wants to build that without Bill Belichick. So it's going to be kind of interesting to see how that game runs. And then you have the green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings, the Minnesota Vikings have probably been one of the weirdest teams so far this year. You got uh, Kirk Cousins has been all over the place. Delvin Cook has been the uh, one of the lone bright spots in that team. But obviously the offense is carrying this team way farther than def- the defense is. Adam Thielen is amazing. Justin Jefferson's in running for rookie of the year. And then Delvin Cook has been one of the best running backs in the NFL so far. But then you, on the flip side of that, you have Aaron Rodgers, who, I mean, it's no secret he doesn't have a whole lot of time left. Um, and, and obviously that's why the Packers drafted Jordan Love. So he's going to want to do everything he can to get as far as he can for as long as he can, because again, there's not many playoff chances left and uh, maybe this Packers team can make some noise in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, you know, with that whole situation, I can get out a whole tangent with that with Aaron Rodgers. Um, they, mm-hmm. In my opinion, they should have drafted some help for him. Yeah. Then his replacement, it is what it is, but um, you know, looking at the, you know, a lot of interesting teams in the NFC also. I mean, you have Minnesota, like all the aspects you just said, but you can flip side it and say they have Kirk Cousins at quarterback. Yeah, um, right. And you mean the defense in Los Angeles? Well, let me clarify that. The Rams, you got two teams in Los Angeles now. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that defense is something else. I mean, you got two superstar players on that on that roster. And then, you know, the mm-hmm. Buccaneers with Tom Brady trying to build his legacy. Um, you know, sitting at a six and six record and ain't looking too hot for him right now, but, um, or it, excuse me, seven and five. You're good. Um, it's not looking too hot for him right now, but uh, I mean, they, they're definitely got a lot of room to make a push. So. Yeah, they definitely do. And, and they're one of those teams that they could play spoiler to a lot of the teams in the NFC, especially with a guy like Tom Brady, you never count Tom Brady out, you know, and that's, uh, Again, that's going to be the narrative going into that game, going into the playoffs. You never count Tom, 
count Tom Brady out, especially in the playoffs. He's, he's like a LeBron, you know, it doesn't matter what seed he is. It doesn't matter where he's at. He's going to find a way to win some games and, uh, and take a team farther than it probably should go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, I do want to now kind of transition over into MVP, defensive player of the year, defensive rookie of the year, offensive player of the year, all these different awards that we're going to kind of break down here for a minute. Um, we are going to kind of do it quickly so we can wrap up the podcast. But first, I want to ask you, who's your MVP so far this season and who do you think will win it to uh, to round out the season here in four weeks? So um, my MVP pick, it's different than what I had before, but um, I'll go with the cheesy pick. It's kind of hard not to pick Patrick Mahomes, honestly. Um, you know, what he's been doing so far this season has been absolutely ridiculous. Um, you know, Russell Wilson started off on a hot streak to make it, but you cannot deny almost 4,000 yards on the season passing and his touchdown to interception ratio is ridiculous at 31 to 2. I mean, he has the least amount of interceptions thrown, third amount of most touchdowns thrown. But, I mean, 31 to 2 is a touchdown to interception ratio is just disgusting. Um, You know, I could definitely see – I mean, it's almost guaranteed that he throws for 4,000 yards on the season, 4,000-plus. It's really just absolutely insane. I mean, for him not to get it this year at this point is kind of crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if you have a different pick, but you know, there's I, not really much you can say because yeah. I had Russell for it, but you cannot deny these his stat line in this season. So the other the, – the first quarter of the season, I did have Russell Wilson as well, and obviously that was the slate that we all kind of picked the same players or coaches or whatever to kind of win their awards. But actually, it's kind of funny. This time, I actually have Aaron Rodgers winning the award. Um, I think that – I think Patrick Mahomes is deserving of the award more than Aaron Rodgers, but I'm going to kind of put it this way. I'm going to put it the same way. I kind of had the playoff picture going. Um, Aaron Rodgers doesn't have a lot of time left. And I think that Patrick Mahomes is going to win many, many more MVPs. Um, I think that the NFL and the people voting for the MVP award will see that the Packers are uh, the Packers don't have, I mean, once Aaron Rodgers is gone, what are the pack? What are the Packers going to have? You know, I think obviously you can say the same for Patrick Mahomes, but as a younger player in this league, as somebody who is going to, ha- who obviously has a bright future in this league and is going to go in plenty of places, I think that they give Aaron Rodgers the award this year because the numbers are eerily similar at this point. He's been, he has three thousand three hundred ninety-five yards. Um, 36 touchdowns and four picks again, two more picks than uh, Patrick Mahomes. They're both right there as uh, completion percentage Rogers throwing 68.9 Patrick Mahomes throwing 68.3 Rogers has th- had to throw the ball a little bit less than uh, Pat Mahomes, but obviously that offense runs through Patrick Mahomes, not saying that it doesn't in green Bay, but you know, it's, it's like if Patrick Mahomes doesn't have the ball, or dropping back to pass almost every other snap. It's, it's like, what are you doing? You know? So it's, it's going to kind of be interesting to see how it rounds out. And I think both players would be great picks. Um, but again, that's why it's coming down to the wire. You know, it's it, everybody thought it was going to be Russell Wilson. People were saying a dark horse was Josh Allen, but I think right now it's obviously between Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, And those are the two guys that are, they're going to fight for it. You know? Yeah, definitely. I right with you 
on it. I mean, we had different players, but definitely yeah. agree with your points. I mean, you make good ones. Yeah, most definitely. And and the thing that's kind of funny about it is I think whoever doesn't win MVP is going to end up winning offensive player of the year. I th- yeah, I, my bad. Go ahead. No, you're good. I um yeah, I just think like I said, so I have Aaron Rodgers winning, so obviously my offensive player of the year is gonna be Patrick Mahomes. Kind of implied that, but uh I, I just think that that's how you have to do it, you know, because both of these guys are so offensively they're offensive geniuses. You know, these are both guys that are once in a lifetime talents and, and they're going to do whatever they can to win the MVP award. But I think the MVP award can only go to one person clearly. So I think offensive player of the year would be Patrick Mahomes because his offensive abilities are absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point there. Um, I think we're going to be pretty different for maybe this entire slate. I don't know all of it, but um, for me, my offensive player of the year, uh, changed once again. Um, I'm going to go actually with DK Metcalf this year. Um, okay. Just, you know, obviously him and Russell, the connection they've had has been, you know, really, really wild. Um, you know, with him being drafted so late and for him just blossoming to the player that he has been, I mean, yeah. he's been pretty much unstoppable all season. Um, 63 receptions for over 1,100 yards on the season. On, on the season so far. Yeah. Um, nine touchdowns so far. I mean, he's projected to have 1400, damn near 1500 yards receiving on the season projected to have 12 touchdowns. So, uh, I mean, what he has done, I mean, what he have done it with somebody else besides Russell Wilson? I don't know. I mean, he is a freak <laughs> of nature. Um, obviously physically, he's a very, very gifted player. He's very, very difficult to guard because, I mean, he has such a large wingspan. He has an incredible vertical leap, and he's just so strong and so quick. I mean, you do not see players that big moving as quick as he does. And, you know, for a Seahawks team, specifically their offense, I mean, he has definitely stood out big time. So, you know, for me, that's my pick. You know, maybe things will change once again when we reach the end of the season before, you know, the NFL honors. But, you know, I, I think at this point right now, I'm definitely looking at DK Metcalf for it. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, again, another great option and another great opportunity for a player who now he's only in his second year. And uh, he again, he's looked phenomenal. Obviously, the comparisons to Megatron are absolutely he deserves every single comparison he gets because he's been absolutely phenomenal. It's, it's going to be, again, it's going to be fun to see kind of how the season rounds out and watching that postseason award show, you know, and just kind of seeing how these guys, who gets the awards, who's deserving of the awards, things like that. It's, it's going to be fun to see. Um, I do want to move on to rookie of the year. Um, I'm not, I'm not quite sure if they have it differentiated between offensive and defensive, but I just want to, just want to do just straight rookie of the year just to kind of see where your mind's at and uh, see what you think. Oh, you're making me go first this time. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Um, I'll go with Justin Jefferson. I mean, this one's kind of just a hands down for me. Um, yeah. He has been absolutely phenomenal for Minnesota this season. Um, so just go over his stat line real quick. If it'll, oh my goodness, sorry, ESPN is tweaking right now. You're so good. It, he has uh, just a little over a thousand yards receiving on the season on 61 receptions on seven touchdowns. Um, 
He's projected to have 1,300 yards with nine touchdowns on the season. Um, you know, for a player to have this kind of impact on a team is you don't see it a lot. And for your com- for your name to be in the same sentence compared to one of the greatest receivers to ever play football on Randy Moss and yeah. Randy Moss's rookie numbers. Um, I think he's on pace to surpass um, Randy Moss's rookie numbers in Minnesota. So, yeah. you know, like I said, to be in, considered in the same sentence as Randy Moss is definitely an accomplishment and it's definitely surreal for him. Um, and he's he's having fun with it. You can tell if you watch this dude play, you watch the mic'd up clips or whatever on Twitter. He's definitely yeah. having fun with it. And, you know, like I said, he's just been absolutely phenomenal for Minnesota. And I'm sure Kirk Cousins is extremely happy that he has Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson to throw to. Yeah, most definitely. And it's actually kind of funny because I want to look. Uh, I have his numbers pulled up. Um, I bet you can guess why, because he's my rookie of the year as well. <laughs> um, he. I guess there's one thing we can agree on, you know, today. <laughs> um, the, a funny little coincidence here. Uh, the Vikings traded Stefan Diggs to Buffalo, obviously, this past offseason. Justin Jefferson is out receiving Stefan Diggs by two yards on 36 less targets. And I believe it's, yeah, 29 less receptions. So, Justin Jefferson, he's he's number four in the league. He's ranked fourth in the league right now in receiving yards among all receivers, not rookie receivers, not second year receivers, all receivers. Guys up there with him, DK Metcalf, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and then Justin Jefferson. Two of the top guys from Kansas City are obviously two and three, and then DK Metcalf is on a whole nother level this season at number one. So, yeah, this guy is hands down. He has to be rookie of the year. And if he's not, I think he's at least offensive rookie of the year. If you give rookie of the year to Justin Herbert, it's understandable. He's on pace to shatter records as well. But I think Justin Jefferson should most definitely get this award. I think he has it wrapped up in the bag at this point. Yeah. And I, I believe they do. Split. I, I, I can't remember for some reason. I'll, I'm not sure on it, but I low key want to say that they split it up between offense and defense, but yeah. I think we'll just go for rookie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it makes right. it easier on us. We'll just go with rookie of the year period. And <laughs> Justin Jefferson definitely. I, I mean, if we did have to pick a defensive rookie of the year, it's kind of hard to, because Justin Jefferson, you know, with his stats and his impact kind of just takes both categories and makes it into one. Right. Yeah, most definitely. He's uh, he's been absolutely phenomenal. I do want to go now to defensive player of the year. Um, this one's getting kind of interesting. Another award that's coming down to the wire. Um, you have you have Miles Garrett. You have a guy that, again, he's another one of the guys you give it to every year, and that's Aaron Donald. You have T.J. Watt, who's leading the league in sacks. I know as Browns fans, we don't want to really talk about that, but um, who's who's your guy right now for defensive player of the year um i'm i have two i'm gonna pick a home pick and uh an unfortunate realistic pick so obviously my guy that i want to win and i think should win is miles but um those those two games he missed is definitely going to have an impact on it i think so right now i mean i i have complete faith that miles will completely change my prediction in this, but unfortunately right now I'm going to have to go with TJ Watt. Honestly, I know we're a Brown centered podcast and I'm a Browns fan, but 
Um, I'm just going to have to go with TJ Watt at this point. Um, 35 solo tackles, um, 12 sacks. Um, he, if I'm not mistaken, he does lead the league right yeah, now. He, yeah, sacks. he leads the league by one sack, actually, be in front of Aaron Donald. Yeah, and then so, one and a half to Miles Garrett. My fault. Didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, it's all good. Um, and a forced fumble and an interception on top of that. Um, I mean, he's projected to finish with 16 sacks, which is, I mean, pretty crazy. Um, you know, he's a really, really good edge rusher for this Pittsburgh defense, and he's definitely one of the guys, I mean, almost the main guy that you game plan for. Um, he, he's just a really phenomenal player. I mean, he seems to be all over the field. He, he just makes such a huge impact on games on the defensive side for Pittsburgh. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, we got to face a guy two, two times a year. So, uh, I mean, we know a lot about him. So that makes it really unfortunate that we do have to play him twice a year because he's definitely a guy that you want on your team. But, you know, Pittsburgh obviously thought the highest of him. So, yeah, right. you know, at the end of the day, they got him. So, like I said, he should, he's just a player you definitely want on your team instead of against um, yeah. I mean, 44 total tackles on the season is pretty crazy, especially with him being completely all over the field. I mean, rushing, dropping into coverage, you know, chasing guys down from across the field. Um, you know, altogether, he's just a really, really solid defensive player. And like I said, I hope my predictions change a little bit, but yeah. um, I'm just going with the realistic aspect just because Miles missed those two games. Yeah, and that's really what makes it tough is because if you look at, I mean, if Miles doesn't miss those two games, you're looking at Miles Garrett leading the league in sacks right now, probably leading, um, leading TJ Watt in total tackles and in, in all these things because Miles Garrett really has been a huge force on the field. And I mean, I hate to say it, but again, I think my guy's TJ Watt as well. Uh, I mean but just looking at Miles Garrett's numbers just for a second, he has four forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, obviously no picks, but you're talking about four turnovers right there just by himself. Um, 10 and a half sacks. He's averaging over one sack a game that he's played 33 total tackles, eight assisted tackles and 25 solo tackles. So the guy he's, he's just as good as TJ Watt, in my opinion, if not better than TJ Watt, I, I mean, I believe he's better than TJ Watt, but obviously since I'm a Browns fan, people are going to see some bias in that. But I think that the one thing that's kind of interesting to me too, looking at this is I have the stats pulled up on ESPN. So TJ Watt has 12 sacks for a, a total of 88 yards. So that's obviously negative 88 yards for whatever offense that they were playing through those 12 sacks. Miles Garrett only has 10 and a half sacks for negative 85 yards. So obviously Miles Garrett's impact on those sacks is very interesting. And that's kind of a weird in-depth little stat there to look at. But I mean, again, both of these guys are phenomenal and really all three of the guys that I mentioned before, TJ Watt, Aaron Donald and Miles Garrett would all be very well deserving of the award, but I really think TJ Watt is probably going to end up running away with it because Miles Garrett did miss those games. Yeah, it sucks to say it, but we just got to be realistic with it. Right. Um, So I do want to talk about comeback player of the year. So obviously we have comeback player of the year and then coach of the year. So those are two that we can break down really quick before we close out. Uh, My comeback player of the year 
it was Big Ben uh, the past two times, but I, I really feel like it's it has to be Alex Smith at this point. Um, the guy, it, he's not only just playing football or, or coming back from an injury and, and sitting the bench, but he's literally leading a team that's now on the cusp of possibly making the playoffs. Um, this guy has to win comeback player of the year after having – season ending leg surgery that not only ended one season, but two whole seasons for him. People thought he was never going to play football again. People thought he was never going to walk again. And now he's playing in the NFL, leading a team to possibly a a playoff run. Um, Obviously we talk about the NFC East, like they're a joke, but at the same time, I mean, the guy leading a team to at least winning a division is absolutely huge. Yeah. um, You know, we both had Big Ben for a while, but, you know, I think this award is not really a stat-based award. It's, it's yeah. you know, kind of a storyline thing and what you come back from. Because, and another aspect I want to bring into the situation is you kind of expect Big Ben to do what he's doing right now. I mean, right. you know, he's old, so he's kind of lowering, lowering expectations. But I'm not trying to dog Alex Smith or anything, but... Uh, he, you know, coming off of almost dying in that surgery also, um, right. af- um, acquiring that infection that almost took his life and right. for him to be playing football again. And like you said, leading a playoff push for a Washington team, it's unreal. And I mean, especially with how young the team is too, and you're leading them in the playoff push. I mean, you know, you can make the same argument with Pittsburgh that big Ben is leading the push for a number one seed. Um, yeah. you know, you, you just kind of expect it out of big Ben, honestly. Um, and he's Alex Smith is just simply coming back from more, obviously missing two seasons, risking his life. You know, it, it's, you have to give it to Alex Smith and, um, you know, coming in so late and, you know, getting in the groove so late and uh, once again, I mean, making this team a possible playoff team is just absolutely unreal and it's just great to see. And, you know, it's un- uncommonly unfortunate that, you know, you catch a cleat and you bleed and people freak out because it's, you know, <laughs> a leg that you got chopped apart 17 times and got a severe infection in it. So, you know, obviously, you know, people are really worried about his leg. Um, and for him to still be out there and really not worrying about it is, you know, really, really brave and extremely courageous. So, I, you know, if they don't give Alex Smith the comeback player of the year award, I'll be extremely upset. Yeah, um, not to not to get too crazy with it, but I really feel like if they don't give um, <laughs> Alex Smith the comeback player of the year award, I think they're they're riding Pittsburgh a little too hard there. Um, yeah, that, that's just my personal opinion on the whole situation. But um, I do want to come down to coach of the year, and this is something that um, a lot of people again they're probably not going to agree with me. They're probably going to see a little bit of bias in this, but I believe Kevin Stefanski has to be coach of the year. I think there was a few guys that it came down to. Um, Mike Tomlin, if he would have been able to pull off 16-0, I don't see a scenario where he wouldn't have won it because going 16-0 is obviously a huge accomplishment. But then you also lost to a Washington football team um, that is not good, that a lot of teams kind of – I don't want to say they're not good. Their defense is really good. Their offense has been a little lackluster. But, again, we were just talking about them with Alex Smith. Um, They're leading – he's leading a team to – 
the playoffs in a not so great division. Washington's not a great football team. You lost, you had your first loss of the season to this Washington football team. I don't, I don't think that that solely takes him out of the coach of the year award running, obviously, but I, I think Kevin Stefanski is now leading a team that has not been to the playoffs in 18 years. He's leading them to the playoffs. You know, he's coaching them and making insanely great decisions and insanely smart decisions to lead a team to the playoffs. that hasn't been there in 18 years. And I think that right there should win the award in and of itself. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. I mean, Mike Tomlin dropping to Washington is definitely a rough one. Um, you know, I, I'm not really going to repeat any of the points. I mean, we, we had the same exact ones. I mean, whoever would have went first would have took the cake with it, honestly. So, right. um, it, you know, just what he's done with this team and the system he's implemented and how the, well the team has a um, – oh, my God – has executed the system – it's yeah. been amazing. And, you know, he's changed the culture around here. He's no games. And, you know, you watch the locker room uh, little clips and, you know, you can just tell the way he talks. It's like, all right, I'm listening to this dude like that. Like, you right. know, right. Uh, it's just something about him, the way he talks and, you know, the way he answers questions. He's like, he's no bullshit. He's just right to the point. Right. And, you know, that Tennessee win, I definitely think boosted you know, the, the odds for that award. And if he comes away with a primetime Monday night football win late against your division rival, then it's going to be hard not to give it to him. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, it's it's going to be a huge ending to the season. I think these last four games are going to determine a lot as far as a lot of the awards go. Obviously, as far as the playoffs go, it's going to be very crazy to see how this kind of all rolls out but that is the end of the episode i'm glad you guys were able to tune in and check this out and listen to us talk football i hope you guys enjoyed it uh go out and tell your friends about our podcast because we love talking football and we love that you guys enjoy listening to us talk football and we hope that you can pass that joy on to other people and on to your friends who also enjoy listening to other people talk football so um, thank you so much for tuning into the bark of the Browns podcast and as always, go Browns.